so much going on. I know, I don't, this is why I, we can't do it in like a four minute update. On if Sunday. somebody's listening to this in, the, in two times speed, I apologize. Uh, bring it, bring it down. I'll, I'll be two times speed for you. Well, hey, everybody. I am here with David Hawkins. Hey, David. Hey. And Josh Armstrong. And hey, Josh. Hey. <laughs> We're going to quiz Josh for a few <laughs> minutes here uh, about everything that's happening in missions because there is there is a lot. And uh, sometimes when I get these updates from Josh, my head is left spin, spinning because there are a lot of things happening in a lot of places all at once. And um, we're eager to tell everybody in the church about all of those things but um some uh, on a sunday morning to just go through all of the things that are going on would just be dizzying um so we're going to be dizzying on a podcast where you can hit pause and take notes if you want to it or keep a running list or something like that um so just real quick here i'm going to read you guys acts 1 8 but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem in all judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth. There's sort of a three-tiered framework built into that verse, Josh, that has really governed the way that we do our missions work. Why don't you tell us how that how that works and how it affects our thinking? Yeah, we've been looking at that verse for a long time now, missionally uh, and in the life of our church. And it's really helpful because, you know, we talk, uh, you know, with our the things that our church runs by and our mottos and our mission statements and all that stuff. So we talk about joining God and the renewal of all things. And we talk about walking with Jesus and loving our neighbor. But Jesus said, yeah, do that. But when you talk about loving your neighbor, do it right where you're at. You're Jerusalem, do it in the greater region that is around you, your Judea and Samaria, and do it to the ends of the earth. And so this uh, for this podcast, we want to focus a little bit on all three of those, but mostly on that third component, which is where I spend a lot of my time in the life of our church, which is uh, helping our church focus on the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. So I guess just maybe starting with Jerusalem. Yeah. Talk so a little just- about that to picture the concentric circles maybe around wherever you are that's 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 your Jerusalem right and that's what's happening locally and then you can picture concentric circles sort of emanating out that ultimately go to the whole world so we have a responsibility for what's here and now and what's right in front of us but we also have a responsibility to share the gospel with to the ends of the earth which is kind of an overwhelming thought uh, to be able to and so that's honestly that's why we have People like you, Josh, who help us um, get our heads around that, think biblically about those things, and be on a mission together. So, yeah, just like you said, let's let's start with Jerusalem. Just give us an update of, of some of the things. We know, I think, obviously, you know, so much of what our church does is a ministry to our immediate community. And so um, that all counts, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about Sunday mornings and things that we do through groups and, and even the other service projects that we're even talking about on this same podcast actually are being discussed. Uh, but some of the other things that, that we may not even know about that are happening locally. So Sure, yeah. I mean, I think when we talk about our Jerusalem, so much of what we've been encouraging uh, our folks to do is really think about their neighborhoods and their workplaces and their schools and, and you know, where is where are the places that you eat, work, live, and play, and, and how can you... Um, Take not only what you're learning on Sunday and and in our small groups, but but how can your family be mobilized locally? And so we've got lots of families that are doing a lot of cool stuff in their neighborhoods and their workplaces. Um, and one thing we really wanted to highlight, and something we've been attempting to do in 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 
different ways for years now is really partnering with some Hispanic leaders uh, in our local area here in Blount County and, and even beyond into Knox County. We've got folks from both Springbrook and Maryville campuses that are doing that. And um, we've got some really cool partners that are working in some interesting places, including places like you know Grayson Apartments over in Alcoa, where there's just a lot of persons of peace being identified and spiritual mm-hmm. conversations happening, and which is really, really cool. Um, I also just being the missions guy, I get to talk to folks all the time who are living out their faith locally. One of the things I'm really excited about right here, uh, going on right here in Maryville is um, there just seems to be something really stirring in Maryville College campus and in partnerships mm-hmm. that we have with uh, organizations like FCA. And we've got one young guy that just started coming here recently. And I'm just excited to see what God's doing in his life as he's getting involved in the church and he's starting to bring some of his college friends here, but how they're really thinking about taking it to their campus. And so we could give lots of examples, but uh, honestly, rather than talk about examples, I'm excited about how our church is positioning ourselves to think about loving our neighbor right where we're at. And I think Jerusalem is going to increasingly become um, a focus of our church, not just on a Sunday experience, uh, and that's been true for a long time. But I think we're I think we're getting more mobilized to to reach our neighborhoods and the places that we're already in. I think it's inevitable, man. The, like people are increasingly walking with Jesus, and if you're genuinely walking with Jesus, you will love your neighbor. It's it's this sort of irrepressible thing. It's going to come forward as you are walking with Jesus. He's going to stir and challenge, and you're going to find purpose and calling and meaning in the people around you and say, I, I should be doing something about the ways in which they may be hurting or the ways in which the things that they don't yet know about life with Jesus. And it's going to be increasingly be this inevitable overflow of the fact that people are doing the left foot, right foot every day with Jesus. If you're following him, he's going to lead you to your neighbors more and more. Um, and I think we're already starting to see it bubble up. I'm really excited about some things um, churning a bit at Maryville College. That's, mm-hmm. Those are words I've been waiting to hear for quite a while. Yeah, yeah man. I'm excited to too. Yeah. And then, okay, so maybe if we go a little, broaden out a little bit the next concentric circle uh, in, in Judea and Samaria, or, or to stick with that same sort of visual there. Um, anything that kind of stands out in that role that, or in that area that you want to highlight now? Yeah, I think uh, I know that uh, on this podcast you already, uh, I think, have featured and will be featuring some folks in our church that are that are working alongside existing organizations, both here in our county and even uh, some of the surrounding mm-hmm. counties. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing some strategic partnerships. I hope to see a lot more of that. Um, one thing I've, I've always really loved about our church is I feel like we've we're a friend. This sounds funny, but we're a friend with a lot of other churches in the yeah. area. I think the, the Vineyards had real, a real favor with other ministry leaders. And so I think, um, I really feel like we, we play well with other churches, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And, and I shouldn't even have to say that. But unfortunately, a lot of times in churches, um, especially here in, in the Bible Belt, that's not always the case. And so I think in Judea and Samaria, um, God's given us real favor with other ministry partners and churches. I'm seeing that a lot. I'm seeing us partnering with some organizations out in Knoxville. I think about Springbrook, how um, they've been connecting with people like Will Boggs out in Knoxville, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he's got this unbelievable ministry called Raising a Voice that they've partnered with. I mentioned, you know, we've partnered with people like Young Life and FCA, and really, I, I think the heart for our church with Judea and Samaria is that we do uh, try to unify with the greater body around yeah 
East Tennessee. Um, and so I think we're going to continue to do that. And we've got some cool things churning in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you're working with collections of leaders in like three different areas, right? Sort of in Knoxville area, uh, Tri-Cities area, Chattanooga area. Yeah. And there, I know there's a lot to that, a lot of moving pieces, and that is different expressions in different places. But the point is you're using your sort of catalytic leadership gift to get leaders together, talking about meaningfully connecting with and reaching people for Jesus all around East Tennessee, right? For sure. And, and you know, one of the things I love about our church is I think we, we love the vineyard, but we're willing uh, to play well. Oh, you know, play well with a lot of different people that are, you know, anybody that's about the, the ministry of the kingdom, um, uh, that, the, you know, we fly that kingdom flag way higher than any other flag, including even the vineyard. And we love the vineyard. Sure. And so, yeah, we're partnering with some cool people up in the Tri-Cities and in Knoxville and, and really hoping to just reach out and have influence in other counties, whether or not they ever know the vineyard's a part of that or not. And so um, that's the, yeah. I think that's the real heart behind our church. And then even beyond that, and this is a little bit more connected to you and your ministry with VUSA, but you're in a couple of roles with VSA, VUSA. We'll get to the international stuff, but there's some uh, domestic stuff that you're doing with VUSA missions as well. Can you give us a quick quick rundown on what you're doing with that? Yeah, it's a good transition into the international stuff, which, uh, again, is probably what we'll spend most of our time talking about, because with VUSA, um, I'm involved in two roles with the uh, Vineyard USA's missions team, and so one of those is... Um, is 100% uh, related to international work. I'm the regional coordinator for Africa for VUSA, but then also um, stepped into a role earlier this year, which I love, and I think uh, uh, it's just producing a lot of fruit already, and and that's a role that was created coming out of the Vineyards reorg that they did. Um, And so it's kind of a pretentious title. It's the Missions Mobilization Coordinator, (laughs) uh, the MMC. I'll expect everybody to remember that. I love it. It's so good. I've (laughs) been told that. By the way, I've been told that title like 20 times. I've already forgotten it. Oh, man. (laughs) I can't hardly hardly remember it, and it's it's my title, man. But, yeah, so the, 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 the whole premise behind it is for uh, me to be able to uh, help churches in three different regions, uh, three of the nine regions in the United States, uh, help them mobilize into mission. And um, so we have a lot of young churches, a lot of church plants, and a lot mm-hmm. of churches just struggling coming out of COVID, you know, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And really kind of circling the wagons and saying, hey, how are you thinking in these three spheres, uh, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and ends of the earth? But particularly, uh, what's your church looking at uh, in terms of ends of the earth, and how can you partner together? Um, and so we're seeing tons of churches right now just step into mission, and uh, uh, I just think it's going to produce huge dividends in the long run. Man, I'll just tell you as a pastor who's been been there, um, for a church that doesn't have an established missions, like international missions focus, it's really intimidating to try to think about how to even get started. And this goes back way, like years and years ago, when essentially, I mean, it came down to you feeling feeling called um, and being called to Haiti, and then that helped set us on a course. But for years, we're, we're, I mean, it's its hard to look at an entire globe and think, okay, we know this is part of God's calling. How do we even, where do we even begin? And its it was, for years, for us, it's really overwhelming until, the, I mean, the Lord directed it. But this role that you're doing, 
Um, I just think it's really important to go to churches who maybe don't have a Josh Armstrong sitting in, in the seats mm-hmm. um, to say, hey, here's some here's actually some really clear steps that you can take. Here's places where there's need, where you can make a real difference and getting churches involved. And because I'm telling you, they want to. These churches want to get involved. It's, it's just hard to know how. And the fact that you're helping them do it, I mean, I'm excited about it because honestly, it's what you did for us. And I don't... I'm. There, we've seen so much fruit in our international missions work, and if if that hadn't, if the path hadn't been made clear to us, I, we might still be spinning our wheels all these years later. So, well, I, before we go to the next part, I just want to say to that, uh, I tell people all the time that uh, when I'm you know when I'm outside of East Tennessee and talking about the vineyard and what I do and all that, uh, I always brag on you and Sharon. I'm like, man, you know, Aaron and Sharon really had the guts to say, hey, we're going to free somebody up to be, you know, the language I remember you using at the time was, was things like, you know, our, our resident missionary or whatever, uh-huh. you know, just freed up to hear from the Lord and then and then help our church kind of go in that direction. And a guy wired like me, uh, I, I was so just blown away that I would have that opportunity. And it's it's been a blessing, man. And I think, yeah, it has produced fruit because, you know, not a lot of senior leaders, I think, take a a risk to do that, especially with a crazy wild card like myself, I suppose. So, <laughs> so thanks. Way to go, man. Yeah, I think that clarifies. I mean, that like a lot of people may not really even know, like, well, what exactly does Josh do? <laughs> I, my, as, my wife asked as, that all the time. As a missions pastor, <laughs> is like, is he just traveling on the church's dime? Like, how's that work? I don't think anybody thinks that. But, um, uh, I mean, you you are a full-time missionary, um, who and you live domestically, but you but that's because you're a catalyst or you're a catalyzing, whatever the word is, um, works in so many different places, um, both through our church and through Vineyard USA. Now, this is basically your hub, your home base, mm-hmm. but you're gone a lot, and mm-hmm. and you're gone in places that we are as a church actively involved in, and in lots of other places, especially in Africa, that mm-hmm. we're not actively involved in, but you're facilitating facilitating it for other churches and well the world's changed so, so much i mean the there's still certainly a need for long-term missionaries and and there will always be a need for that uh but there's not i don't think there's a need for as many at least coming out of the united states going literally living for the rest of their lives uh, maybe for a season but mm-hmm. uh, we live in a smaller world now in so many ways mm-hmm. and so the ability to go in and raise up indigenous leaders which i think is in the long run more fruitful if you can do it mm-hmm. um and so yeah being able to be based out of here supported by our church and empowered and given the resources and tools we need um, yeah, it's been it's been really great, man. I think um, I think I'm starting to see some other churches kind of some light bulbs come on and mm-hmm. say, oh man, we should do that too, like some yeah. version of that. So, all right, so give us a scoop, man. Ends of the earth, international missions. What's what's happening? Yeah, we'll start. So, um, just a quick history for those who don't know about our churches. Um, involvement internationally and there's a little bit preceding Haiti but certainly when when Haiti uh, came on our radar back in 2011 um, we actually had you know a connection through one of our uh, through a guy who was our youth pastor at the time mm-hmm. um, and uh, connection to a ministry down there my wife and I were really thinking we'd go to uh, to Africa we were really feeling drawn to that and we ended up getting redirected to the African diaspora uh, in mm-hmm. Haiti and um, 
And so we, you know, lived there for a few years on, on our way out. Uh, another couple from our church, who a lot of listeners will know Daniel and Natalie Abercrombie and their two kids came in, moved in to Haiti for about six years and continued, yeah. uh, one of the works that's going on in Haiti that our hurt, our, our church helped catalyze. Um, so that happened. And then, uh, and then we started doing some work in West Africa, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about West Africa in a little bit. Let's just start with Haiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll touch on a few things and pause and see if, uh, David's, you know, not, not been at our church, uh, too long, a couple of years now. Yeah, and so yeah, probably knows, course. probably knows less about our work in Haiti than Africa even. Mm-hmm. So feel free to, feel free to say, Hey, tell me more about that. Absolutely. But, um, <laughs> the, the quick rundown of Haiti is we've got several ministries that we continue to partner with that are mostly run by in, indigenously led teams. Uh, so Haitians. And, um, so we, one of the things I'm the most passionate about is it's called simple church ministries. And that is essentially a disciple making movement that, uh, uh, started with my good friend Gabriel Lindor and his uh, leadership team of Haitians. Um, When we lived there, we helped Gabriel kind of get that off the ground and he's taken it and run with it. And now there are just scores of leaders and literally over a thousand groups, or some people even call them churches. We we refer to them as simple churches, Uh, meet in homes under under trees, um, you know, in schools, and they blanket the map of Haiti. So Mm -hmm. if you look at a map of Haiti and, and put your finger almost anywhere on the map, you're going to find one of those simple churches. And and it's a multiplicative disciple-making movement that's taking place there. And so we continue to help support them. They're doing great. Uh, another quick thing I should say about Haiti before going to the next ministry is it's just, it's uh, maybe a lot of the listeners know, it's it, it was the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere before the earthquake uh, in 2010. Earthquake happens, things are even worse. Uh, corruption and poverty is just rampant. And now, um, even the last couple of years, the gang violence and uh, political, yeah. uh, the, the president was assassinated. It mm. is just a hot mess. Um, and in the middle of all that, this Simple Church Ministries continues mm-hmm. to go forward. Um, and these very brave, mostly young, but not exclusively young mm-hmm. men and women are um, pushing this thing forward. And so um, that's an awesome thing. That's the ministry yeah. I maybe get the most excited about. Yeah, so just to, the scope of that is wild. So over a thousand groups of people, some small, some large. Best estimates are about 1,300 actually. 1,300, mm-hmm. wow, that number's gone up. Yeah. <laughs> 1,300 groups of people that represent just thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of new converts, right? Mm-hmm. People who did not know Jesus and been baptized through the ministry of that, of that outreach. That's just absolutely remarkable that's mm. really exceptional yeah it's exciting man well and the cool story and i'll tell i'll go into this more here in a little bit when we talk about africa but gabriel uh, actually went from there and helped launch some stuff uh in west africa with me he went on my mm-hmm. first trip there when we started exploring what god was doing so he's he's just an incredible young guy mm-hmm. uh he's only 31 32 years old um and uh, Gabe now has also helped pioneer some stuff on the other side of the island of Hispaniola. So Haiti shares uh, Hispaniola with D- the Dominican Republic. And so um, now there's simple churches over in the DR as well. I'll actually be there late October to, to see some of that. So yeah, really cool stuff. Yeah. So in, in another ministry that, um, so when we lived in Haiti, we had bought land up in uh, a really remote part of the country, beautiful part of the country called the Forest of the Pines, or in French it's Forêt des Pins. And um, 
we knew that God was calling us to put a clinic in that area. The healthcare uh, people were dying of just you know stupid stuff, uh, unnecessary things. And um, we said, man, there's a real need there, and that can be an incredible access ministry to advance the gospel, but also just to to be the hands and feet of Jesus and meet practical needs. Um, well, we really were feeling called to go to unreached people groups and move back to the states and start working in Africa. And I said, oh man, I don't know how we're going to get that pulled off. And lo and behold, one of the last team trips we ever did mm-hmm. had a had a guy named Daniel Abercrombie on it. Mm-hmm. He'd never been to Haiti. Uh, he he uh, you know he and his wife had pretty good jobs, mm-hmm. had a comfortable life, a couple of kids here in the states, and we're. He went up to Fred A. Penn with me, saw the need, heard the need. He's got a little bit of a medical background. And mm-hmm. he was like, he said something that people say to me all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're coming down this mountain. I'm driving. He's in the, the seat beside me. And he's like, Josh, I think I need to get our family to move here and uh, start that clinic that you guys had a heart for. And I was like, yeah. As you say, rolled the eyes of my heart. I, see, oh, I hear right. you say that all the time here. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I've heard that before. You know, people on this, on this high. And I mean, but, it was like two or three months later. But Daniel they were on the way. just say stuff. No. See, Daniel. if you'd have known Daniel really well at that point, you'd have been like, oh, man, he's going to do that. 100%. one of the few. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And so, man, a few months later, they had, they had sold their stuff, uh, raised some support and went and launched it and now they've they 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 took they built up a clinic and they kind of took over the operations of that they were working with another organization and uh they started to see the need to start their own organization um and uh, transition that clinic under an organization that they created which is called access health alliance Mm -hmm. or aha Uh aha uh-huh yep that's good marketing right there um and (laughs) We need to edit that out of the podcast. By the no, way. It's no problem. In. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, man, the last six years, them living there, um, they just recently moved back uh, for a couple of reasons, but they continue to drive that ministry forward while being here from the States, kind of like we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that they have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients met the needs of so many people, delivered so many babies, pre- prevented, frankly, quite a few deaths um, just over things that were unnecessary by getting this clinic off the ground, getting preventative health care going. And so Abercrombie's actually, I just, I just pulled up their website, which is website, which is access H a for health org, And just right here on their homepage, 25,000 medical consultations, 70,000 plus prescriptions that were, were filled. And I, this isn't a place where there was just, I, I can't stress it enough. There was absolutely zero access to any sort of medical help. There just, there wasn't any, um, like from miles and miles in any direction. Is that right? I mean, that's not hyperbole. No, there were some Mennonites um, that had a clinic that were, it was about 45 minutes away and it ended up going under. So there was an even greater mm-hmm. need. So, I mean, yeah, nothing. People were, people were, people were prone to die on their way down the mountain because they were so far away from yeah. healthcare. Gosh. And they've delivered over a hundred babies, which I don't think they were planning on that part. It just no. ended up happening. It's like, Oh, guess we do this now. Yeah, a very fertile region, evidently. Yeah, so they're taking yeah. care of business. Just an incredible ministry, man. And, and the Abercrombies are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, just a couple more things on Haiti. I'll, I'll touch on So my wife would kill me if I didn't mention mm. the freedom house and, uh, <laughs> So uh, we had, um, without really meaning to, started uh, what became a, a children's home, but um, the Freedom House was a ministry for Restavig, which is a Haitian term for, that means st- to stay with. Uh, it's, it's indentured servanthood, but uh, that's a nice way of saying child mm-hmm. slavery, right. um, yeah. kids that were just in really, really bad shape. And uh, there was a particular region that we started working, with, working in, which I'll talk more about in just a second, called Laborde, which is by far the poorest area I've personally been to in Haiti. 
um, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a mess um, uh, in terms of poverty. Um, but we saw a need there and then in some other places through Simple Church Ministry and, and, and some other things we were involved with around the country where kids were living in this lifestyle. They Essentially, their, their parents had either died or couldn't take care of them, and so the kids were given to somebody in the community or a family member, but they weren't given access to school uh, or the same uh, you know, clothes, food, anything like that. Mm-hmm. They were basically living as a, a, a slave in, in, mm-hmm. in the houses, and that's a tradition that's passed over from West Africa. There's a whole history behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we took some kids in that were in really bad shape because they weren't getting health care, weren't being taken care yeah. of. One of the kids we took in, uh, we were planning to take his brother also, and about two weeks before they were set to come to this house that we had started, um, his brother died, and so mm. uh, didn't make it. Just just malnutrition and a whole mm. uh, you know plethora of other problems and health health issues. So uh, started the Freedom House. That ministry has really turned into just a beautiful, incredible yes, thing. It has. It's transitioning away from being a traditional children's home and into more of both uh, a transitional program for teenagers and young adults um, mm-hmm. because there's a huge problem in Haiti of. Uh, kids that are in orphanages, uh, both getting involved in either trafficking or just leaving those uh, institutions and there being nothing for them. And so the Freedom House is turning into more of a transitional and family empowerment type uh, ministry. And we just recently moved that ministry up to Cap Haitian. And so in Haiti, there are two international airports. There's Port-au-Prince, which is a mess because of the gang violence. And then yeah. there's Cap Haitian in the north. And we were just recently able to move the Freedom House to Cap Haitian in the north for their safety. And they're mm-hmm. doing great. They're thriving. And uh, so we're really excited about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so just one other thing about Haiti um, <laughs> is I'd uh, love to talk just real quickly about Laborde. Um, Laborde yeah. is that, that region I was talking about. It's in the central plateau of Haiti. And Laborde, um, like I said, first time I ever went there, uh, it's it's miles and miles up and down these huge mountains. It's only mm-hmm. goat trails, no roads back there. And went, and a friend of mine told me about it and said, hey, this is a really rough area, a really poor area, mm-hmm. and we need to try to do something to help the folks in that area. And uh, so we ended up hiking back there, barely made it, thought I was going to die. And sure enough, we got there and there was only literally voodoo temples and shacks where tons of just desperate, poor people live. Yeah. And, uh, we, since then have been able to plant a church, start a school mm-hmm. that's thriving. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, there was no schools in the area. And so now a couple of hundred kids that weren't getting an education are getting one. Amazing. Uh, Daniel came in one time with me and started, uh, implementing some, uh, preventative healthcare in the region and especially for pregnant ladies, you know, mm-hmm. things they needed, uh, got shoes in there, all kinds of stuff, built a, um, latrine system so that they, you know, just did a lot of things. And, uh, so now that area, uh, we've kind of taken on a sponsor that area, if you will. Yeah. A lot of beautiful things happening. And there's actually some surrounding simple churches that have come out of the church that was planted in that area. It. So yeah. a lot of cool stuff in Haiti, man. Yeah, that's where um, the uh, water project we worked on with yeah. Must Have Gifts is was, as well, right? At yeah, yeah. yeah, for the, yeah. For those who participated in Must Have Gifts last year, one of the things we did was in partnership with an organization called Lima, which essentially they have a solar power generator that also can um, pump water in really remote places. And so it can provide electricity and water mm-hmm. um, in places that are kind of off the grid, which Laborde certainly is. And yeah. so our church actually raised money uh, to send uh, one of the units. We're, uh, the Freedom House bought one of the units, and so we're going to mm-hmm. send one to the Freedom House. It's actually being shipped there and should 
be there this week, I believe. Oh, great. Um, but both so of those units. Stuff there. Yeah. Well, one of the units is going to go to the Freedom House. We're going to train a team there at the Freedom House how to assemble it. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to pack up the other unit and take it via donkey up and over those mountains to La Borde. Oh, and uh, <laughs> it'll be the first time that area has ever had. Uh, at least a lot of the houses and the school there is going to get electricity mm -hmm. and uh, running water. And so, yeah. yeah Beautiful, man. redemptive work, man. Yeah, it's I love exciting. It. I love it. All right, so Africa. Oh, man. <laughs> There's a lot going on, man. Tell us, tell us what's happening. Yeah, again, just to give a, a very brief history, um, when we were coming back from Haiti, we really felt called to unreached people groups, which, uh, and we didn't know what that might look like, but that, mm -hmm. through, through a, that's a longer story, but, mm -hmm. you know, just some, some honestly dreams and visions and things that yeah, God was stirring right. around in my heart. Um, really said, man, unreached people groups, 1040 window, which that's the, 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 uh, the place on planet Earth that in, um, that contains the most unreached people groups. It basically stretches from West Africa through the Middle East and through uh, Southeast Asia. And uh, there are literally thousands of people groups on planet Earth that still don't have access uh, to the gospel of Jesus. Mm. And so we said, man, what, what can we do to make a little dent in, in what that looks like? And the focus, through, again, through a series of events, the focus got narrowed to Africa, which got narrowed to West Africa, mm -hmm. which got narrowed to the Ivory Coast, or in French, it's Cote d'Ivoire. Mm -hmm. And we did an exploratory trip there just a few months after we moved back from Haiti. Took my buddy Gabe with me, and we mm -hmm. set off for a couple of weeks and just went all over the country praying and meeting people. Mm -hmm. And that turned into a few other trips that turned into identifying some key leaders that turned into identifying uh, the first people group we started working mm -hmm. with, which is the Warodugu people. Um, it's a people group of a couple hundred thousand people, Muslim and Muslim animist background people. Um, and so uh, we launched a five-year project with the Warodugu people uh, in which we wanted to, at the end of that, see um, uh, self-governance, self-sustainability, and self-propagation. Self-propagation mm -hmm. meaning that disciples and churches were made out of that people group rather mm -hmm. than a guy like me rolling in and, <laughs> right. and planting a church. Yeah. Uh, so indigenously-led church planting and disciple-making movement, um, and it so, happened. So basically that means <laughs> sustaining in all the ways without influence from or without money or exactly. input from the West, we, from us. We pumped training and coaching and mentoring and money and a few other resources into that people group over a five-year period. And our, our church actually, uh, our local church here uh, did that and was a part of that uh, with the hope that after five years we would have a, there would be an exit strategy in place. Mm -hmm. And that exit strategy ended in December of 2021, mm -hmm. and we did it. It worked. <laughs> it worked. Unbelievable. There. And there, in just do you have any, group. No, I know the numbers are bonkers. Oh, do you man. know any of them? You know, I was, last count, I was just uh, with that people group, because here in a minute I'll go on to tell how we're now – working with a lot of other people groups, not only in Cote d'Ivoire, but other countries. But just that people group, there are, we believe, um, something like 8,000 people that would consider themselves disciples. Wow. Um, there, are, there are several hundred, and we're not exactly sure of the number. We know the number is around 1,000 groups, and wow. you can call them churches. We don't mm -hmm. call them churches. They don't call them churches because of persecution and things like mm -hmm. that, because it's a Muslim area. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, we can't really track just how much it's multiplied out. We do mm -hmm. know 
Our best estimate is that it's to the 13th generation, although I recently heard that it might be to the 14th and even 15th generation. And so when I say that, what I mean to say is we started with a first generation group of people we trained. They went and made disciples in their social networks Mm -hmm. and with persons of peace in their social networks. Mm -hmm. And then those people, when they became disciples to Jesus, went uh, one generation further Mm -hmm. into their social networks. And so- And these um, groups are just meeting, studying the Bible? They're um, they're asking. doing lots of things. They're yeah. they're meeting. They're studying the Bible. They're they're finding out um, what the needs of their communities mm-hmm. are and meeting them in their villages. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're exploring uh, different versions of worship. What worship mm-hmm. looks like. Uh, so it's not necessarily from the stage with the sound system that kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's what does worship look like contextualized for mm-hmm. them and, and and their culture. Yeah. So they're doing all kinds of cool things, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and but uh, above all, they're learning what does it mean to be an obedient follower of Jesus that uh, gives away what they're learning. And yeah. so one of like cool stories yeah. of literally imams, which are kind of like Muslim preachers, sharing mm-hmm. stories that they heard in their tribe by some new disciple, sharing it in the mosque and saying, you know, Esau said this, I heard this story about Esau, which is Arabic for Jesus. And, uh, and wow. Jesus is, a lot of people don't know this, but Jesus is mentioned, I think over 60 times in the Quran. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, so imams literally talking about some of the stories oh, that they heard from the Gospels. They heard <laughs> these in these dis- discovery Bible studies that they're in in their villages, and they wow. thought they were so cool. They were like, oh, people in my mosque would love this story. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and now what's so cool, man, is like out of out of some of the, the, the kind of catalytic leaders that emerged in that first unreached people group, uh, we identified some kind of national leaders to kind of develop the vineyard in Cote d'Ivoire as mm-hmm. people groups were being engaged. And so we've got this leadership team in Cote d'Ivoire uh, that's helped kind of giving order and governance to the whole thing. Um, and now there are multiple unreached people groups in Cote d'Ivoire that uh, have a work going on. That's not all coming from our church. Our church kind of helped catalyze that, but we partner with other vineyard churches, mm-hmm. mostly in the United States, uh, that have helped give support uh, to those things. And so, mm-hmm. and now that has bled over into Mali, and we mm-hmm. actually have some inroads into some other countries. And yeah. so West Africa is just one of the coolest places to be involved with vineyard missions right now. So that's in how many, I might put you on the spot here, but how many of these unreached people groups are being engaged on some level right now? We have six in Cote wow. d'Ivoire and we have two in Mali. That's now amazing. that's where formal work is happening. Uh-huh. I, I I don't want to uh, do some kind of preacher thing. And you would never do this, Aaron, and embellish. Yeah. But I, I will I, say... I that personally. <laughs> but I will say that work has spilled over to some surrounding people groups because there's cross-pollination. Yeah. You know, it's not like, it's not like, especially in some of the cities, there's not more than one people group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but there are six in Cote d'Ivoire that are directly being engaged, like intentionally being engaged. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. incredible, man. So that's that's a, a little bit of Africa. We've got some other cool projects that um, we've been a, a part of there and are doing there. And then I think our church has been given real favor with the Greater Vineyard in terms of um, involvement in Africa, really the whole continent. And part of that's because of the role that I'm able to serve on with Vineyard Missions as the regional coordinator for Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're really taking what we're learning in West Africa and a lot of other uh you know, partnerships that the vineyard has in Africa are yeah. paying attention and saying, man, how can we contextualize that for where we're at? And yeah. so we don't just want to go in and, you know, build a building. Like you know, a lot of the more traditional approaches to doing mission work uh, cross-culturally or internationally is let's go in and 
build a building and kind of be the mother church and help them get off the ground. And mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that, but we we said, okay, what's it going to take to reach a whole people group? Mm-hmm. Um, well, coming in and building a building and training up a pastor to yeah. is probably not going to get the job. If you're done. wanting to reach hundreds of thousands of people, you can't you yeah. can't think in terms of square feet and. <laughs> yeah, we use that term. Pastor. <laughs> we use that term, gospel saturation. What would it mean? Yeah. F- and and when we say that term, it's what would it mean for every man, woman, boy, and child in this people group to have multiple opportunities to to see, hear, and respond to the good news of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And how do we help foster that um, by raising up indigenous leaders, not mm-hmm. by coming in and doing crusades or anything mm-hmm. like that? That's just not really our jam. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I th- I think we've hit most of the highlights here, man. I'll give you a minute to think to see if there are other things you want uh, to get us up to speed on. But I was going to ask specifically about some of the stuff we've done with business startups and oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, any and then anything else I might be missing. <laughs> yeah, golly, we could talk forever about all this stuff. I'm trying to sorry and sorry for the listeners. I'm like rapping through this. Uh, <laughs> There's so much going on. I know, I this is why I, we can't do it in like a four minute update. On if somebody's thing. listening to this in, the, in two times speed, I apologize. Uh, yeah. Bring it, bring it down. I'll, I'll be two times speed for you. Um, yeah. So in terms of in terms of business endeavors, we've done some stuff in Haiti. I won't touch too much on that. Let's just talk specifically in Africa. Mm-hmm. I mentioned a, a big goal that we have is the kind of the three selves. So it's self propagation. We mm-hmm. want to see a church planting movement that comes out of the place where, uh, or the, the people uh, right where they're at, indigenously led uh, church planting or disciple making movement. And, and at which point it will be self-propagating. And we talked about uh, self-governance. We don't have any desire to govern people overseas. That's called uh, colonization. <laughs> look, at, uh, Do a little historical yeah. digging over the last few hundred years yeah. and you'll see some icky stuff. We doesn't always don't go great. Do that. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't go great. Uh, we, we don't want to be the great American heroes, uh, but rather we want to raise up and empower uh, leaders that can reach their people in their country more effectively. Um, but then we talk about self-sustainability. And so we don't, you know, we give some seed money and some startup money uh, with the hope and uh, hopes and goal goals that churches and uh, and even even uh, Christian businesses in the countries that we're working in can help sustain the work that's being done there. Um, that's hard in a place like Africa, and it's even harder in some of the poorest countries of Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ivory Coast has some very poverty-stricken parts to it, especially in the north. But the south, you know, there, you can you can be creative and um, and and make some money there. And so, uh, a few years ago, about three and a half years ago, actually, we said, hey, what if we provided some seed money, um, and we provided some accountability through our partnership here in the states, but we really gave a lot of um, leeway to the indigenous board in the Ivory Coast mm-hmm. to help oversee and provide accountability for some seed money that could go to some business projects that could help with the overhead of building a vineyard church in, and I, when I say building a vineyard church, I don't mean a building, mm-hmm. building the structure and the necessary necessary things to see uh, the vineyard Cote d'Ivoire thrive. Yeah. And so we sowed money um, about three and a half years ago, and we, we gave quite a bit of money the first year and given a little bit less every year as mm-hmm. they start to develop and, and have sustainability in the country. So we've done things like uh, buying land in order to build some projects on and buying land in places where urban sprawl is going out. And so uh-huh. the land will uh, you know, 
be worth a lot more after a few years in order just for the church there to have a little bit of wealth and be able to sell that or to sure. build something on it if they wanted Options. to, housing, whatever the case may be. Uh, we've done pig farms. Pig farms has actually been a really cool thing mm-hmm. uh, and provided uh, quite a bit of money. We've done motorcycle services. We've done concrete block services, uh, uh, businesses. Um, gosh, I'm forgetting some stuff. We've done, done quite a few things. We try to mm-hmm. diversify so that you know we're not naive enough to think that one or two of those businesses is probably either not going to go well or, or maybe even not work at all. Yeah. And so we really gave some African business leaders that we started to meet in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, in Cote d'Ivoire, um, some uh, some leeway to be mm-hmm. able to use that money and good have good uh, accountability systems in place. Yeah, but so they, they know they their context better than we do, obviously. 100%. So what, what makes sense to you in that place? And so then they're, they've taken that and, and seen some fruit come from it. Yeah, 100%. Man, there's so much stuff that's happening. I'm so fired up about what God's doing. <laughs> it's really, uh, it's, I've said it a bunch of times, it's not unprecedented, but it's almost unprecedented. I'm, I'm really, really grateful that we get to be a part of it, man. Um, thanks so much for coming and giving us, giving us the big mega update um, on, on all that God's doing. Yeah, and hit me up uh, if you're listening to this and want to know more about any of these things that we talked about, uh, or maybe just have a heart for missions. I, I love talking about that stuff. So, oh, one other quick thing: We're, we got a, a team trip uh, in March. Yep. Um, I think it's just about filled up, and so if you're listening to this, you could at least uh, reach out to me, uh, get my email on the website, or it's uh, what is my Josh <laughs> Josh at, dot, <laughs> Josh, Josh at, at VineyardChurch.us. <laughs> yeah. Josh That's at it. our website. Well, <laughs> we'll put it in the show. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> thank, okay. Yeah. Thank appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you can reach out to me and find out. We're, we're going to the Dominican Republic um, because, uh, and, and we're going to work with some Haitian leaders in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. And, and part of the reason for that is Haiti's just too dangerous to take a team trip to right now. And right. so, if you're interested in that, hit me up, and uh, that's coming in March. I love it. All right, Josh. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you guys for all you do. Yeah, thanks. <laughs>